welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Uh, in all seriousness, though, my name is still Micah. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm glad that you're here. That is all true. We are in the last week of a series called Enter. And if you are new, welcome to you. We have been exploring the idea of what it would look like to uh, maximize or to really engage intentionally with uh, an experience with God uh, in our day-to-day lives. Is it possible that we could do that more regularly or with more intention? And I would argue that we can. And so over the last five weeks, we've been looking at this process in our lives as, as they go, you know, chronos time, right, beginning to end. Are there moments along the way when we can enter into an experience with God? And I would say, yes, there are. Begins with stopping so that we can see as God sees, hear in God's voice, recognize last week who we are and what we bring, uh, and, and, and then entrust that to God. And so this morning, we're going to look at what it means to respond. Um, this is, all, of, all of this up to now has been theory, right? It's, it's uh, sort of all still in our head or all still in our minds, in our hearts. And this is the moment when it sort of transverses from uh, idea and theory and, and to actual practice in our lives. Uh, it moves from inanimate to animate. And uh, I would submit, by the way, that this process of stopping and seeing and hearing and recognizing and responding is basically discipleship. Uh, if you were to think about what does it mean to be a person of faith and to be growing in faith, I think if you can learn how to do this with, with more intention and more frequency, um, you're growing in faith. You're becoming a disciple. So this is how I kind of view discipleship. If this church and if I, if you, could be growing and learning in this process of stopping and seeing and hearing, recognizing, responding over and over and over again in our lives that we're growing in faith, we're becoming disciples. We're following this Jesus, like, for real, in our lives. So that's what uh, we're going to try to do. And this morning I want to look at a couple of different stories and really a couple different layers of responding. As we close this series out and we kind of end with, okay, then what, or so what, uh, a couple of layers of responding that I want to explore. And before we do that, I want to remind us that um, it, it's important to note that along the way in this series, we've zoomed out a couple of times and we've talked about some pretty big ideas, right? Last week, for example, we talked about you know, knowing who you are and what you bring to a situation, recognizing um, and then entrusting that to God for the good of the world, for service of the world, that it becomes a blessing and a gift. I mean, this is a big deal, right? Uh, could be something about vocation or um, recognizing the gifts that you have to give to them. I mean, that's a big idea. And yes, it is that uh, on the one hand. But I don't, wanna, I don't want us to stay there. I want us to recognize because the whole series is built on the assumption that God is at work all the time and everywhere. And so if that's true, then in the breath that you just took, gift, grace. There's a way of experiencing that breath connected to and not divorced from the very divine impulse that gives it. There's a way of smelling the, uh, the head of a newborn baby, right? If any of you have been around newborns lately, they try to manufacture these smells of fall and fresh cut grass and newborn babies, but you just can't, right? Like there's something about that that is drenched with the presence of the divine, and it's those moments, the, the small things, the little things, you know, the knowing look of a lover or a meal with great food and great wine, like these small, ordinary moments have the capacity and the potential, I would submit, 
to be interactions with the divine. So on the one hand, it's huge, it's massive, it's what are you going to do with your life? And it's also this moment right here, right now. It's a gift, it's grace. So it's balancing those two things. As we, and, and can we enter into those things? That's the whole series, right? So as we close out this series and we talk about responding, what is it that we're responding to? And what does it require? So I would say first and foremost, when we're talking about responding, often when we stop, see, hear, recognize, there's an invitation that comes. And so the response is, at least on this first level, is to an invitation. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1. Again, as I mentioned, we'll be bouncing around a little bit, but I'm going to invite you to stand as we read these first couple of passages and explore responding to an invitation. We'll read from Mark chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 6, if you want to follow along. should be on the screen behind me. Mark 1, starting in verse 16, says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. I like that passage. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. Again, come and follow me. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat and he, with the hired men and followed them. Now back to Isaiah chapter 6. This is the prophet. And he hears, verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, Hineni, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, never understanding, ever seeing, never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dulls and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and be turn, and turn and be healed. This is a little sarcasm here. And then I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until all the houses are left desolate, deserted, and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will be laid to waste, but... As the terebinth and the oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Pray with me, if you will. God, as we gather this morning and we open up uh, this word, I pray that you might um, aid us, help us to see and hear what it is that you're saying and doing in our midst. Uh, Thank you for your word, which is alive and active among us. So um, use it, I pray, this morning to speak, that we might hear your voice, see your presence and your activity among us through your word, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So we've got Mark, we've got Isaiah. We're talking about responding, and I'm suggesting, at least on this first level, that what we're responding to is often an invitation. And the invitation, in my experience as a person of faith for 20-some years, and as I've watched and listened, it often comes in two ways. Come and go, right? In Mark we see, and I would, I would argue that this is like one example of what we see again and again and again, over and over in the scriptures, where God is saying, come, come back to me, come and follow me, Jesus says. Paul says that Jesus is the second Adam, if that's true, Jesus is like the, the prototypical human. Jesus says, Come and follow me, and I will show you what it means to be truly human, as you were intended to be. 
follow me and I will lead you home. These other things you might be chasing after, they don't lead to joy, they don't lead to life, but what I am leading, what I'm leading you to leads to life. Come and follow me. I'll show you what it means to be human and I will lead you home. This is the invitation of God through Jesus and you can see it prior in Israel and others. Come back to me. Come and follow me. I shared a bit of this story, but uh, I think it's worth coming back to. Some of you are new around here. Um, I was 14 years old when I heard for the, really, what I would say, um, the most clearly, come and follow me. I grew up in a church, uh, Grace, uh, Grace Church in Roseville, Evangelical Free Church. And uh, I grew up in Sunday school. I was in the choir. I wore a pink shirt with black pants for uh, Mrs. Henderson. Mrs. Henderson. Man, we do these silly, like, choir practice. I just, yeah, that was me. I grew up in that. And uh, my brothers and I, as we grew up, we would skip uh, church and go to Cedar Home Golf Course and have putting contests. My mom, she would say, that fine, as long as you're not, like, throwing rocks and beating up kids, that's probably a better use of your time. So let it happen. But either way, I grew up going to church. I knew all the answers. By the time I got to junior high and senior high, I was like the youth group mascot. I went to everything, every Sunday, every Wednesday. When the youth pastor asked a question, I knew the answer. And so when, we, when, when an opportunity arose to go to Chicago for the Sun Life Evangelism Missions Project, I was like, I don't even care what it is, I'm going. Mostly because I had a crush on the girl who I knew would be sitting in the back seat of the van and I'd have six hours to mac on her, you know. Get my, get my groove on. Um, sorry. If I could replay that, I would do that differently. The sentence that I just structured for you all. Not pursuing this young girl. Man, woo, tailspin, tailspin, abort, abort. So I go to Chicago on the Sun Life Evangelism Missions Project, which was, in fact, an evangelism training program for high school students. So in the morning... You would go to apologetics class. Now, for you kids in the room that don't know what apologetics is, it's this activity where you learn how to defend your faith, right? It comes from a, Latin, a, a Greek word, uh, something about, you know, defense of your faith, whatever. So we go to apologetics class. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we'd go to apologetic class in the morning, and from 8 to 12, we learned how to defend our faith. And then from 1 to 4, on the, on the, the, the list of the day, the activities for the day, it was hitting the streets, which meant like street evangelism in downtown Chicago. I prayed for rain every day at 1 o'clock. I did not know what I was getting myself into. And upon arrival, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, we're supposed to go out and just talk to random strangers about God? And they're like, yeah, it's an evangelism missions program. <laughs> so I hated that part of the trip with a purple passion. And so I prayed for rain, and uh, it didn't happen. Every day, it was sunny at 1. I don't know how that all works out, but either way, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm, it's downtown. I'm with my youth pastor. It is noontime, lunchtime. There, it is a, a square full of people, Chicago folk, working folk, having their lunches. And so we're sitting down talking to this guy, and we're chit-chatting, you know, the scripted conversation that you go through, and then it gets to the part where he's like, oh, do you want to, would you like to hear more about God? And the guy's like, sure. And my youth pastor turns to me, and he's like, Micah, why don't you go ahead and tell him? It's one of those moments that sort of time stands still in your life, right? And I, I panicked, and then I, I began weeping. 
like a baby, 14-year-old kid, just tears streaming down my face in downtown Chicago, middle of the day, hundreds of people around me. Because in that moment, I was confronted with the fact that I was a total and complete hypocrite. That my life on Sunday and Wednesday was drastically different than my life Monday through Friday at school and in the locker room on my hockey team. I was two completely different people. And I was embarrassed. Not in a guilt and shameful way, but the Lord just gently with like a giant two by four came alongside of me and was like, and I just had a mirror in front of me and it became very clear to me. I had no idea who God was or what it meant to follow him. And in that moment, it was crystal clear. And so I processed that with my youth pastor afterwards. And, um, and I remember that night praying, kind of like Gideon's fleece, if you know that story where Gideon sort of like puts out a fleece to test God. And I remember praying, God, like, prove to me that you're worth following. If you want all of me and you want my whole life, you want me to trust you with everything, then prove to me that you're worth following and that you're, you're trustworthy to do so. And so a couple days later, I'm talking with my friend Becky. We're on the, lake, uh, the, the beach of Lake Michigan. We meet this lifeguard named Paul. We have this long conversation with him, which I do not remember much of, except at the end I say to him, would you like to pray to receive Christ? And Paul said, I would. Would you? Yes, I would. And so as a 14-year-old who had just prayed, God, show me that you're real. Show me that you're real. I prayed with this guy named Paul to receive Christ for the first time. Now, I have no idea where Paul is, where he went, if that was meaningful, or if he was just trying to get me to shut up. I don't know. But I remember running from that spot all the way back to the van, thinking to myself, God, if you are trustworthy, then I give you my whole life. As much of me that I know at 14 to as much of you as I understand, I give you everything. Wherever that leads and whatever that means, that was the first moment where I really counted the cost as to what it meant to follow Jesus. When I heard, come and follow me. I don't know where you come from this morning or what kind of experience you've had with church, but I, I would venture to say that there may be some here this morning who are, who are wondering about, is this real, this resurrection stuff, this Friday a thief, Sunday a king, is that real and did that actually happen? And the invitation of God is, come and follow me. Come and be a part of this kingdom. Come and be a part of this story. And so the response is often, come. It's an invitation to come and follow. And I would offer it to you this morning to consider what it would mean to center your life around this person and this story of Jesus, the resurrected Messiah, the Son of God who comes and dies on a cross in our place and says, come and follow me. Often it comes in the form of a, an invitation to come and then it's usually followed by an invitation to go, right? Isaiah the prophet, he's hearing from the Lord, and the Lord is like, who shall I send? Who will go? Who will stand in my place? He says in another place in 2 Chronicles, who will stand in the gap and be the one who represents to the world the love of God made manifest in Jesus? Who will be the one? Who will stand in that gap? And, I, and Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. We talk about breathing in and breathing out. That faith, and if an, if an experience with God is going to be consistent with God, I would submit to you that it's going to involve come and follow me and then go. And so wherever you are this morning, maybe the go is really simple. Maybe it's go and meet your neighbor. Maybe it's go and 
attend to that family member who is having a difficult season or who there needs to be reconciliation with. Maybe it's go live in another country, go move to another neighborhood, leave this community and join this community, change this job and do this job. The go could be really simple and it could be really big. And it's all, and it all belongs. So the response as we begin, what does it mean to respond? We're often responding to an invitation and that often comes in come and follow me and then go. Breathe in and then breathe out. So I would encourage you this morning to think about what does that mean for you and where are you in that process? Uh, this picture I've shown before, but this is the tree under which I sat when I met with God for four days to ask the question, should I plant this church or not? And I heard very loud and clear uh, this, like to the tips of my toes, this invitation to step out in faith and to go to try something new, to start this community. And that was a massive moment of go for me in my life. And we've had experiences like that. If we were to poll the room, they come in very large form and they come in small forms as well. Stand up for that kid in your classroom who's getting picked on at the lunch table. Go. So what does that mean? It's often an invitation, I would say. It also comes in the reform of responding to the activity of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 28. This is the uh, story of jo uh, Jacob wrestling with an angel. And it says in verse 15, I am with you, this is God speaking, and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. As we navigate and experience the presence of God in our lives, sometimes the response is to the activity of God when we become aware and awakened to it. If you've ever had a moment in your life where something was present and available to you all along, and then in an instant you became aware of it. You woke up to it. You saw it for what it was, a person, an experience, a moment. Last, uh, a couple years ago, we moved to a new house, and uh, we have one neighbor, which is great. <laughs> one neighbor, we're up on a hill, our, our house is at a dead end, there's trees all around, so if you're looking for the Witham house, it's actually very difficult to find, um, which is a nice little solace for us sometimes. And uh, we used to have one, this one neighbor, uh, this lady who lived there, and she just moved out. And most recently, um, we had three college kids move in. That was kind of our response. We were like, oh, good Lord, have mercy. Like, this, this lady kept herself. She was super quiet, never heard a peep from her. And these three college kids were move in, and we're just like, oh, geez, here we go, right? Well, come to find out, we are like 50 times louder than they are. <laughs> We just got a trampoline, and the first day we got it, there were 14 kids other than my kids who were at our house jumping on our trampoline at some point during the day. Kids are screaming up and down the driveway at all parts of the day. So if anybody needs to apologize, it's us. But this weekend, we're, we're, we're going to have a... Oh, it was, uh, it was Friday night, wasn't it? Was it Friday? Yeah. I think it was Friday night. It was, our ship, it was Friday night. So we're like, we're going uh, we're we're to do a bonfire, and uh, like hey, maybe we should invite the neighbors. So do you guys remember Home Improvement with Tim Allen, the neighbor who would like peek his head over the fence? I literally, Tim Allen, this guy, I like go up and knock on the, on the fence and I'm like, hey neighbor. 
and he's in a lawn chair in his backyard reading with his headphones on. So he's kind of like, whoa, you know, alarmed to see this man hanging off his fence. I'm like, hi, I'm Micah. As he pulls out his headphones, he's like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And uh, I'm like, hey, we're, uh, we're having a bonfire. Uh, we got s'mores. We got some drinks. You guys are welcome to join us. And he's like, okay. <laughs> Come to find out, he's the introvert. He's like, let me go ask my, my roommate, who's the extrovert, thinking inside, like, I'm not going if he's not going. Um, but sure enough, uh, they wander into our neighborhood, or into our backyard, uh, a few moments later. And I noticed when he was sitting down in the chair, he was reading a book. And the book was by Tim Keller, and it's called The Reason for God. If you know this book. This is the deep end of the pool, Right? Theologically, you don't just pick this up on Saturday because you're bored. And so I'm talking with him, and I say, "Oh, hey, I noticed you're reading, uh, you know, little Tim Keller." And he says, "Yeah, just checking it out." And I think to myself, "Huh, something is afoot here. God is up to something. Nobody just picks up that book because you know, like, God's." actively doing something. I don't know what. But I sense God's up to something. And I become aware and awake to this activity. And I want to encourage you. When you have a moment in your life when you become aware and awake to God active, God moving, I want to encourage you to begin to ask this question. What is my part? Or said differently, what's my role? I'm sitting there in my lawn chair. He says, yeah, just checking it out. And I'm thinking, huh, I wonder where this is headed. I wonder, what's my role? What's our role? What's my part in this? What's my family's part in this? Because, friends, I have unfortunate news that I come, uh, comes from experience. Um, there's this idea among Christians and often evangelicals that for people who may not yet know God, that their soul, which is a horrible understanding of evangelism that is a, for another sermon, but their person is like in your hands and it is all up to you, right? I remember being in youth group and thinking about, oh, I want you to think about your friends who don't yet know God and like the pressure and the tension and the anxiety that I felt because I felt like it was all on my shoulders. If you don't tell them, then who will? You know, that message. Actually, real-life example, I know this actually happened. Youth pastor with his youth group on a Wednesday night. Everybody's gathered around. They think they're playing a game, right? Somehow there's red paint involved. They all get red paint on their hands, and then the youth pastor stops, and in a serious moment, he's like, I want you to look at your hands, and I want you to think about your friends who don't yet know God. And I want you to know that if you don't tell them that their blood is on your hands, and I'm like... <laughs> like, that is spiritual abuse punishable by law. Like, that is awful, awful, horrible. It is not up to you. You are not on the hook for somebody else's life. Friends, if you hear me say anything today, hear this loud and clear. What is my part? Your part may be to keep your mouth shut. Your part may be to say nothing about God because this person whose story matters and who is, comes from and has a whole host of experiences up to the moment they meet you may require you and need you to say nothing about God. 
Your responsibility may be to create a space where you are a non-anxious presence for a person who has a lot of questions and a lot of doubts, who needs not to be judged in those moments. Your responsibility may be to take your foot off of the gas, not to put it on the gas. Your responsibility may be to challenge that person's thinking about how they're orienting their world and who they think God might be. It may be that, but it may not be that. You see what I'm saying here? So the question that's most important in this is, what's my part? If the Holy Spirit of God has empowered you and has been given to the church to be able to process and discern and live with and have a life with God, then I would suggest that it's possible for you to discern in those moments, what's your part? What's my role? As you respond to the activity of God, oh, God is active in this moment. The answer is not, it's up to you and you're responsible for it, but what's your part? What's your role? You are not God. You are not the Holy Spirit. You are not the one who will convict of sin and and point people. It's not your job. It's not our job. It's not my job. We're invited into a process by which we partner with God where God is inviting people back to God. Yes, absolutely. What's your part? What's your role? In that moment, what does Paul say, right? Uh, uh, Apollos waters the seed. I planted the seed. Apollos waters the seed. Some harvest the seed. Like, it's a journey and it's a process. Do you know where you are? Do you know your part? Lastly, I would say this. If responding to God involves invitation and activity, I would say, lastly, responding to God involves the presence of God and acknowledging the presence of God. I've had a few of these moments where my kids, uh, like, they sort of leave their bodies, you know? Uh, they're like not themselves, and then all of a sudden they kind of come back, and it's like, oh, there you are. Right? You know what I'm saying? As we respond to the presence of God, I want to invite you to this practice of just saying, oh, there you are. A couple uh, years ago, we moved into this house, and uh, trees all around in the back, and there's a large deck, which is lovely. And it, for a while last year, I would make my coffee in the morning and I would just go out to the deck and sit in silence. It was beautiful. It's lovely. It's great. Great way to start the day. And I did this for like a a number of days. Uh, I don't remember how long exactly, but it was multiple. And, And then one morning I'm sitting there and all of a sudden it's like the trees become alive. Like there are so many birds and animals in the trees and it's like once you see one, you can't unsee them. You know what I'm saying? And it was literally like all the trees around in my backyard were just bursting with life. And there were birds flitting about and they were talking to each other. I felt like I had just walked into Narnia. Like the birds were like talking and they're beautiful and they're so different. And there's like really unbelievable feathers on this one. And and this one's quiet and he sits over here and they're just chit-chatting back and forth. And they were all there in a moment and I saw them. And all of the mornings before that, it's as if it was silent in my backyard. But I guess, I'm, I'm guessing that it wasn't. I just wasn't awake. I wasn't aware. I wasn't present. I didn't see it. And then all of a sudden, the presence of God just came like a flood. And I started thinking, who does this? Like, who makes these creatures They're so unbelievably unique and ornate and different and they sing different songs and they have different colored feathers. And why? Like, why are they here? What is their purpose? 
They're not utilitarian. They really don't do anything but spread buckthorn. And I mean, that's kind of like an evolutionary thing that's happened later. Like, what is the point of these birds? And I just was overwhelmed and flooded with gift and grace, beauty for the sake of beauty, not for pragmatism, not for utilitarianism, but just because God's delight was available to me in that moment, the presence of God. Oh, there you are. And I want to invite you, as you process and as you grow in faith, to maybe practice this when you find and when you recognize, when you become aware and awake to the presence of God, to say, there you are. Oh, there you are. In that breath, there you are. And I would suggest that as you do, we learn and we are reminded that we are not alone. That everything we long for is already yours. What does the father say to the prodigal son when he comes back? Everything I had was yours. I withheld nothing from you. Everything you want, it's already yours. We're reminded that we belong, that gift and grace and benevolence and original blessing is available from the divine right here, right now, for the taking. So who wants it and who needs it? As we learn to respond to God, it often is an invitation. It's the activity of the divine around us and among us, and it's God's presence. So this morning, as we move towards a time of silence, I want to encourage you to ponder, to consider, to think about, what is it that God's inviting me to respond to this morning? I would encourage you to continue to do this as your days come, but in this moment, today, what is it that God might be inviting you to respond to? Is it an invitation to come or to go? Is it an invitation to see the activity of God already present and available in your life? Is it to recognize and acknowledge the presence of God all around you. So pray with me, and I want to invite you to a time of silence where you might consider and ponder some of these things. God, as we attempt to quiet our hearts and slow ourselves down, we want to respond with varying levels in the room, there's a desire for us to respond to you. And so maybe for those who are being invited, Holy Spirit, be clear. For those that are being invited to see your activity, to see where you're at work, open our eyes, open our ears for those that are being invited to acknowledge your presence among us and with us. Give us eyes to see God. God, as we take some time to respond to you this morning collectively, we do so first by praying this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing and benediction as you go? Every once in a while, you sort of land in a pocket as a pastor where it's like, man, if I, if, if I want one thing for these people, for myself, this is that kind of spot. Um, if we can learn with increasing degrees to stop, to see and hear, recognize what we bring and respond and just do it again and again. Um, this is the life of faith. This is what it means to follow. So that's my hope and prayer for us. So receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Instead of being dismissed, I invite you to go and participate in the great story of God's kingdom happening right here. See you next week. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.